Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ball Move Pulp, your source for all the Loki content. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're covering Season 2, Episode 2, Breaking Brad. Uh, <laughs> I assume they're Giant Bomb fans, and they saw this series about a decade ago and decided, you know, that's a great name. We should steal that. It's either that or the Vince Gilligan thing. I'm not sure which. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, what do you think of this episode, Aaron? It's pretty good. I mean, I'm, I, I like last episode was particularly good, and I I was trying to put my finger on. It's not that I was disappointed, but like you know, I got to say stuff about this because I'm a fucking podcaster, and it's just like, um, you know, it just it just didn't quite wasn't quite as funny and quite as action packed as last episode. This felt like more of an episode where it's developing things, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe if I want to be really critical, I th- maybe there's some signs of some f- like the, these Marvel Plus series flab that like, OK, they're they 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 they, they got to hit so many episodes and maybe there's not that much episode. But like, eh, because I mean, like, you know, like was the Loki interrogating Brad a little self-indulgent, but maybe it went on for maybe. a little bit longer. But also, like, I I think they built some genuine tension there. Um you know, there's like a question in your mind about like maybe Loki is, you know, coloring outside the lines a little bit. Maybe he is uh, going back to being a villain. Mm. Um, but, you know, we didn't have like it's like the the, the pure whimsy comedy of last season. Uh, last episode was there. It's it's also a little I, I think it's a little bummer that like uh, Sylvie and Loki are not getting along, you know, because like part of the thing that really made last season tick is their chemistry and them working together and the. The fact sure. that they're on the outs is is not as much fun, but you know we're two episodes in. It looks like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be working together pretty closely going forward. Um, yeah, and I got one other final thing I could say as a criticism, but I don't know how they do it better. But before that, what did you think? Uh, I I like this episode, but like you, not as much as the first episode. The first one is so much fun. Um, getting introduced to Obi and him being a big part of the episode just kind of made that episode for me. Uh, this episode we have a little bit of Obi and you know he's still fun but not as much Uh, the Loki stuff then Mobius stuff is not as much fun this episode but it is building to something and I think I'm going to enjoy the thing it's building to Uh, that my biggest criticism is that Loki interrogation scene because I didn't buy any of it from the jump like yeah and I'm looking at Brad thinking are you really this dumb you think a door can a door to a cell can be locked from the inside what would stop you from getting up walking over there and locking the door and never being interrogated again like it, it didn't Damn, make logical I, sense i feel like the dumbest motherfucker alive because that never the idea that like <laughs> yeah why can you lock a chamber from a cell from the inside yeah okay yeah, you would never do that in an interrogation room so so, so it was pretty obvious that like Loki, this was a plan, right, by Loki, and and so it was a little bit tedious. But I also did like seeing Loki, you know, flirting with being the villain again, whether he's doing it as part of a, a ruse or not. Yeah, him flirting with being a villain is is kind of scary because what if he does get a taste for it again, right? And and the the thing that he says to Sylvie later in the episode, like walking away is easy. I, being a villain is easier than being a hero. So there, yeah, there's some temptation in. there to just go so back to his nature. A, yeah. And and the fact that, like, you see, like, you know, for what, what it's worth, an Asgard, Asgardian, half Asgardian, half Frost Giant, half immortal Asgardian. god <laughs> bullying uh-huh. a mortal at the beginning of this episode is what he's doing. It's like, it's like fight yeah, fair. Yeah. It's like, this isn't a fair fight. There's a little bit of menace to there because, yeah, uh-huh. you know. So, so it wasn't it wasn't all bad i'm not i'm not it's not a big complaint it's just like yeah i saw the the jig was up before it even began for me let, but 
Let me try the thing that the thing that I when I was thinking about like what what didn't there's something about this episode that's not working. I think the biggest thing is it doesn't feel real like at the end of the episode and one Mimasako is trying her best to emote how devastated she is that billions of people are dying because these timelines being none of that felt real. It it's felt like someone came that, to me, yeah. came to me in like in a, like an Applebee's and said, "Push this button, and it's going to kill a million people." Yeah, and it's like I pushed a button, and it's like you just killed a million people. It's like, did I? Like it just right. didn't. That, that 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 should feel like you should feel sick. And for some reason, just watching lines of hypothetical alternate realities being blinked yeah. out of existence does not feel like murder the way that we needed it should. Some- and I, we we needed to look at some of those timelines, right? They should have gone. Yeah. They should have done a tour of the timeline, showing us a Thanos like disappearing of everything. Like, yeah, all how these people should have blinked into and... like a, a dust and and just yeah. been gone, right? That... I also don't. I also don't think it helps that we've had the literal deaths of thousands of very real people happening on our TV screens this week as a backdrop. And I'm like, sure, sure. yeah, the, the 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 some person saying that billions are dying is just yeah it just didn't it just didn't hit me and i think that's like going to be a problem if the stakes are this multiverse of like characters yeah. we don't know or characters all theoretical and like what does that even mean if if you never exist is it does that hurt like if, if yeah. a whole like a whole timeline blinks out like what 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 does that even mean because the people that like the 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 the, the pain of losing someone is bear is is born by the living if everyone uh-huh. just blinks mm-hmm. out of existence at once in a whole timeline, like that's a theoretical pang of loss. And I, they're, they're, yeah. it's and you know I try to be an empathetic person, but like I I do think that's one problem they're going to have if the stakes are not people that we actually know and care about. Um, yeah, like you can say oh, there's a quintillion people just died just then, but right I and intellectually and that hurts but but it has to hurt your heart and and you're not connected to any of those people so yeah yeah and that's a, a sad testament to the human spirit maybe yeah <laughs> but you, yeah that uh and like i said it's like already kind of a miracle that you can care about fake people dying in narrative mm-hmm. fiction like because mm-hmm. it's not real you can always be like that's this is just a made-up story why the hell am i getting gripped up but like we're talking about fake people of fake people of an alternate timeline Ooh, that you can never start getting, see. Yeah. Starts getting pretty nebulous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I still enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Um, I'm excited for things to come from this episode. So that, that's a big bonus. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. We'll see how it goes the rest of the season. Uh, let's get into the recap. Uh Oh, timelines branching. We'll be right back. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. TVA is watching. Here's more Loki. Can I say the post credit sequence on this is interesting? Uh, or or the, the, the previously on containing the post credit sequence from the first episode? Yeah. I think is really weird. Uh, it's bold, I think that... considering you can complete, and you did completely miss the fact that that was ever a thing last episode. I don't understand that post credit sequence. Like, I thought it was weird that they did a post credit sequence in the first fucking episode to like, and but you're right. You could take that episode, you could take that post credit sequence and shred it 
and make that whole timeline disappear and your enjoyment of last episode of this episode has not changed one iota it almost felt like it's just like hey we haven't forgotten about sylvie she's still here look at her but like yeah yeah it's 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 not how marvel usually use post-it sequence credit sequences right well look i'm for for people who are familiar with uh our coverage of ahsoka this season and you might be if you're a disney plus person uh i have a little bit of a get off my lawn to to get on with here i i think post credit sequence post credit sequences are one of my most hated things in cinema i think marvel has destroyed uh the ability for people to value post credit sequences and and it just it it's a waste of time all around. If a post credit sequence is good enough to merit me sitting through minutes and minutes and minutes of credits to get to, then that post credit sequence deserves to be at the end of the actual piece of media. And if it's not good enough to sit through, why put it in there? Why waste my time getting to it? And if there is no post credit sequence, don't waste my fucking time looking for a post-credit sequence that doesn't exist all around this is a waste of everyone's time i hate them i hate them with a passion and and i'm I'm glad that not that more media is not leaning into this because i do not want to have disney syndrome when it comes to everything i watch i do not want to have to think fuck is there a post-credit sequence i need to fast forward a lot of stuff is doing this very similarly, but I hate it. Like, what's the point? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I want to make it clear that I don't feel this way about post-credit sequences. Sure. Um, oh, I know. But I understand the logic of your argument. Like, and and uh, it does, it, you know, when it went like to a neat little tease that was not related to the movie, and it's just like, oh wow, Nick Fury, he's going to start the Avengers project. That's fucking cool. And if it's just like a funny kind of like the Avengers eating shawarma and the ruins of it in New York deli, that's kind of fun. But like the fact, it just feels, yeah, it's starting to feel like a assigned homework to me because yeah. like I do know, I no longer recognize the people they're teasing at the ends of these things. And, you know, uh, and the fact that they're doing them at the, at the end of the first episode that, that's going to be directly addressed the next episode. It is weird. It's bizarre. And, and then putting them in the previously it. on as if I should have seen this. And why? Like, that's the thing. It's like, you could have left it off. Like, it, it, it matters. It doesn't even matter to the plot. It's not like, you know, like everything that we got in that post-credit scene mm-hmm. was 100% and more in this scene. Like, you know, she right. didn't meet anybody. Right. It's just like, oh, it's look, it's Sylvie. It's a Loki variant in a McDonald's uniform. Yeah. So from from the 80s. Yeah, it's it's weird. No, I, I hate him. Hate him with a passion. Uh, but let's get into the actual episode. It's London. Uh, it's the UK. It's 1977. It's the sacred timeline. Uh, Mo- Mobius and Loki are looking for X5. Uh, Loki doesn't think that Sylvie's here uh, because there's not enough chaos in this timeline. And he says that X5's tent pad went dark here, and that's their only lead, so they, they stick around. Uh, and you can kind of see they're teasing what's to come here in the next few scenes with the Zaniac starring Brad Wolf on this marquee. It feels so out of place in this seventies London with all these, you know, nice fancy buildings and stone faces. And then you get this weird neon colored billboard. That's like totally out of place in this setting. So this is, it's interesting, there's like, uh, I don't know if they're going to do anything with this, but I looked, you know, I reflexively look into this, the Zaniac thing. Uh, There's a real Marvel lore behind this that I think this was like a 70s exploitation kind of series to capitalize on the Zodiac killer, but they had this movie Mm. star that portrayed the Zaniac, which is a misogynistic serial killer. And through portraying in the role and being exposed to background radiation left over from the Manhattan Project, <laughs> he turned into this malevolent slasher killer monster with like knives for fingers oh uh, my God. called the Zaniac. And I guess there's a limited run series involving this, like in, in one of the Marvel's horror, um, you know, offshoots. 
and he eventually dies and then his spirit becomes the Zaniac, which is malevolent like life force that can inhabit, like possesses people and turns them into Zaniac. So I don't know if they'll do like, well, they'll do like a, like I think that'd be kind of a fun idea to do a Zaniac like miniseries for like an October season at some point. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if they got plans for, for Brad, but uh, the, the guy who gets turned into the Zaniac is Brad Wolf in the comics. So gotcha. Anyway, I don't know if that's going to be a fun little Easter egg or if that's they're actually going to do something that later. But I just wanted to uh, point that out to people. Yeah, so they attend this uh, movie premiere of the Zaniac, where X Five is the star of the movie. He's playing Brad Wolf here. He's he's got a new life that he set up. Uh, they grab him and he says he needs to catch them up over drinks, uh, which is a ruse. He tries to run for it, so they chase him. There's a whole sequence, and then Loki eventually uses his magic to catch him. Which is unfair. Quit with the magic. Fight fair. Yeah. Get out of here, dude. I did. Like, I was thinking, like, you're trying to outrun a god. Yeah. And a Does frost he need giant. to foot chase you? I don't know, dude. And, and then I and and as I was thinking that, I liked that whole Loki pointed out the. It's like, yeah, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't like a. Uh, oh, is he going to catch him? It's he's going to catch him. Yeah. I, I really like B-15 running up with like, oh, my God, Brad Wolf, can I get an autograph? And he stopped. Even though he's on the run from these guys, he can't help himself. And it's, it's one <laughs> man. She clocks him and grabs his tin pad. And yep. that was great. That was great. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I love I love him using his shadow selves to restrain because like mm-hmm. at first I'm like when his shadow sprouted horns I'm like, and then they showed that he doesn't have horns is you know I'm like what the fuck but the shadow yeah. like Peter Pan style just grabbed him I thought that was really fucking cool kind of leans into the theme that they're gonna do later with you know the villain versus the hero stuff which I really yeah. like yeah and like also like I I really like the Loki theme like whenever Loki's doing badass stuff they have that yeah. big brassy bah, 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 bah. It's, mm-hmm. it's just really cool makes him feel powerful yeah music in the show is very good uh, the, whole, the whole style of the show is very good do we say that often enough it's got an excess of style yeah I'm gonna say it later about very specific things but uh, let's go to X5 he's taken back to the TVA He's thrown into holding, and they take his modified temp pad to Obi for examination, trying to figure out what it does. What are these mods? Uh, Obi, though, he's busy coming up with a device to retrofit the temporal loom, so he gives him a book about the temp pad and sends them on their way. Is this is this more important than the mission critical thing that I'm doing right now? I, I love the earnestness with which he asks uh-huh. this. You know, he's not I, he's not sarcastic. He's just saying, yeah. do you want me to work on this above the temporal loom? He, he's just working for the team, man. He's pulling uh-huh. for the team. Yeah, but the, the way he's like, do you think it's like a higher than... I forget exactly what I said, but do you think uh, preventing the complete time uh, collapse of all the timelines is, is a higher priority than than looking at the Zimpad? Uh-huh. The, the innocence with which he asks these questions yeah, points out the absurdity of the question them, the, itself, which I love. <laughs> Just as his deadpan earnestness and cheerfulness about everything uh-huh. is really, really funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also the fact that like there's also like um, lo- there's just a bit of that kind of like also it didn't read the fucking manual, you know? Yep. Uh-huh. I took the time to document all this shit and, you know, uh, which I, we'll I get like to in in greater fashion with Casey later on. He's great. Um, so then we go over to B15 who asks if they found anything he asked Casey if they found anything about Renslayer there's nothing but he did find something else Miss Minutes apparently was the one who sent the last message from Renslayer's temp pad meaning she's helping Renslayer mm-hmm. so they take that info over to Mobius and Loki um, and Loki chooses now to drop the information that he remains and Renslayer were working together he heard this message uh, this recording in, in, a, in a future timeline, in a past timeline. I can't remember where he heard this. Yeah, he heard it in the past. When he, when he in the past? Uh, okay. Time jumped back to the past, and he was in the council, the mm-hmm. the, the war room slash council of Kang's room. And he, I remember he that. I just can't remember play. if it was yeah. future or past. But The, the thing yeah. that bugged me is they, they play this low-key, haha, low-key, like low-key, was withholding information and it didn't feel that way to me it's like well Mm -hmm. 
he came back and he told you the most pertinent information, which was about the Kang thing and all about that. And there's been yeah. one goddamn thing after another. And now the related piece of information, he drops it. And it's like, why are we when, when would it have been appropriate for him to put what seems like an extraneous piece of information out there? Yeah. That makes but sense. on the other hand, yeah, rinse of the people you're looking for is actually working for Kang, likely. That's you know, but I felt more like it slipped his mind rather than Loki being yeah. KG. I'm I'm with you. Um Yeah, he mentioned but, the importance. But it so. also they're playing up, I think, the like it seems like there's going to be a little bit of will he won't he fall to darkness kind of you know, thing yeah. that they're playing with this season. Yeah, certainly this episode. I, I do wonder if it's going to be a bigger arc for him you know if there's going to be questions all season about that yeah someone that much power it's got to be a constant temptation to not just do the expedient thing like and then not just loki like thor like there's got to be many times in thor's life where he could just be like i'm gonna fucking lay waste because it's just the easiest thing to do right mm-hmm. uh, or any you know, very powerful character like they flirted tony stark you know kind of falling to the dark side keeping things from his friends being a little paranoid uh, I buy, go, yeah, a guy like Loki, I would totally buy. Would struggle to be good. It would be hard, right? And you go big and obvious with that, right? Like, oh, he gets into a situation where he chooses to be the villain again, and he craves the power or whatever. Or you can go pretty subtle, like I think they're gonna do, which is the the more nuanced way is to say, well, he's doing this for a good cause, yeah. But what what are the consequences of those actions, right? Yeah. Which they do from time to time in Marvel. That's not an untapped uh, idea, certainly. For sure. Uh, But yeah, we'll see how deep they go with that. Also in this scene, Casey realizes that X5's temp pad doesn't block trackers like like he said they do or like they think he does. Um, So they go to interrogate him on what this thing actually does. He's a huge asshole. He tries to get under Loki's skin by calling him a villain, telling him to stop trying to be a hero. So Loki, you know, he's he's firing back. He agrees with him and he threatens to do villainous things to him unless he tells them where Sylvia is. Uh, that doesn't work, though. Brad just has a comeback for that. So Mobius tries the good cop routine, offering to get him back to his actor life if he just tells him where Sylvia is. That doesn't work either. And Brad tells him to wake up and get a life. And Mobius eventually punches him and they have to they have to stop the interrogation temporarily. Cool things down. Yeah, that, I feel like leaning into Loki as evil at this stage of interrogation undercuts what they do next because it's kind of like just a small foretaste of what they're going to do. In full. Yeah, I agree. There's something like I said. There's a, there's a little. It's, it is a little loosey, little loosey goosey. Um, could have been tightened up a bit. Um, yeah, it's almost like you get bad cop, good cop, good cop, bad cop. When what you really need here is good cop, bad cop. Right. Yeah. And I like the Owen Wilson trying to be the good cop. And it turns out this Brad asshole routine works even better on him. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder what they're trying to get. Like, is, is Moby's going to end up being like a really dangerous character? Because I don't know. I, I'm not sure how much I especially believe since, what he says later about his life and how much he likes it. Especially since he, you know, we know he has this like uh, longing for the jet ski lifestyle, but uh-huh. like he's very studiously ignoring all those questions this episode. And that's the thing. You know, don't don't tell me if it turns out Mobius and Mobius is like you know like uh, some super you know, villain, <laughs> yeah, super villain or an antihero or something like that. Because I I could, but it's like they're it seems like they're doing something along like what is the where is this repressed streak of hostility and frustration and feeling like you're a nowhere man? I also thought it was interesting when he says you're a nowhere man. Like, nowhere is a place in Marvel. It's a giant hollowed out head of a cosmic giant that the Guardians of the Galaxy, that's their home base. You, you've seen it. Like, nowhere they, in, in a Guardians is of the Galaxy. Is that what they call it? That, yeah, yeah it's a big hollowed out skull of a celestial, an eternal. I can't remember what uh. which which cosmic being it is. But... You know, I, when they said you're a nowhere man, I, I instantly made that connection. It's like, I wonder if there is some kind of like Guardians phase five connection. Um, mm. But yeah, something Maybe. I got. Uh, like I said, don't tell me if I'm onto something, but I wonder if I'm onto something. Yeah, I, I mean, it it reads like a guy who's trying not to think about the bigger questions of his life, you know. Um, and at some point, the dramatic thing to do is to force him into a confrontation with that. 
mm-hmm. and see how he reacts. And I think like stuff he says here in the next scene is actually uh, really interesting in that regard. So we're going to get to Loki and, and Mobius having pie together um, and talking about how Mobius lost his temper in that scene. Um, Loki asks if he wants to visit his life that he was supposed to live. And Mobius says, nah, that's not my life. I like my life here at the TVA. Um, and, and there's some stuff around, you know, they theorize that X5 must have found Sylvie and didn't turn her in. So they need to get him to talk and we'll go interrogate him again. But this this was interesting to me for the stuff about Mobius's life and how he feels about it because he's living a life that hasn't been very fully examined and he says something about like well you know I, I mean I'm not afraid if that life is bad if that life is bad that's great that means I'm living a better life than I would have it's what if that's a great life? What if that's a really good thing? What if I just had like 10 jet skis? Yeah. And also there's like this, this, uh, the, the, the really thing that would haunt you is like, what if there's someone else? Like what if there's someone important that you're missing out on or it's missing out on you? Like that's, mm-hmm. it's not just all about you too. Like what if you're supposed to have kids? What if you did have kids and you don't even know? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that could go either way, like the, the very good or very bad. And it's, it's I think yeah. it's telling that they, they, they bring those possibilities up. And it's also, not super dramatically interesting to show him the awful life that he would have had without the TVA. It's way more interesting to show him an amazing life, right? Or an awful, like uh, awful, like what if he's bad? What if he's a bad guy? What if he's like a terrorist or okay. an arms dealer? And then you have to question, dealer. is that in me? You know? Yeah. Is, is that yeah. exactly? That's still a part of me. That's what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, I fucking love a good automat. I don't know why these places aren't more popular. I feel like nowadays when you could just like <laughs> wave your cell phone pies. at something. Well, I mean, but <laughs> this like particular one. Yeah, I think these things are kind of big in Japan and other places uh-huh, like it uh-huh. where it's like, you know, they have these big rents like, you know, have all these food and you just pay what you want and take it and eat it there. Go to go like that seems like a cool, cool idea. And now yeah, we got not? the cell phone, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the tap to pay payment type stuff. I think it would be even better. Maybe it's a chicken and egg thing, you know, like you got to put out a whole bunch of stuff. Like, like I think of Ikea, right? Ikea, when you go to Ikea their... Ikea would be an awesome automat place. Yeah. When you go to their cafeteria, it's almost like that uh, yeah. for desserts and, and, you know, fish and things like that. But if you put out a wide enough variety of things, you need a bunch of people coming there and eating the things. Otherwise, they're all going to spoil... Yeah, it, yeah. It feels like it's like like it's great for like downtown lunch options because yeah. you don't have to wait in line like a cafeteria. You just go like whatever they mm-hmm. got. You just go and grab it, and it's so fast and efficient. Isn't it really just a buffet with so, where people can't sneeze on your food? Yeah, <laughs> I mean be, the buffet is hot this food either, right? It'd have to be cold, like cold sandwiches and things. It's probably limited. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, anyway. these single serving things, ready to just grab and eat. That's, that sounds yeah. great. As an American, I've never seen one, but I've always been fascinated by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it with pies in the show? They have an obsession with pies. Remember uh, I have the last episode where they sat down and, and ordered all the pies? It, it, it speaks to me. Yeah, I like, I like pies. My grandfather was quoted as saying, I only like two pies, hot and cold. <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of got that that same same thing. I do love a good pie. Mm. Really, I've never been a pie guy. More of a cake guy. Mm. I mean, I I I, I I I I have a hard time saying no to either. Honestly, but Fair. Uh, pie. I like pies. I because I, I I don't know. I I feel like it's hard to make pies. Like that pastry kind of show. That's a very hard skill. Whereas like baking is you know baking cakes easier. So like maybe I prize. It's hard to make a good pie easier to make a good cake cupcake brownie those things are within my reach i can just get a box from betty crocker and and be in cake town sure pies sure. a lot different a lot different pies feel like a a delicacy to me because pies often happen around holidays and when i was growing up we didn't celebrate holidays so there weren't a lot of pies in our mm. diet mm. it's now pies so like something exotic 
Ooh, a pie. I know as an American, that's that. weird to say pies are exotic, but like mm-hmm. they were for me. They were. You just needed the because like I, I just had grandmas that were just like excellent at baking pies. They're both I had mm. two pie making grandmothers uh, that would even like harvest fresh fruits and stuff out of their gardens and whatnot. They had cherry trees and strawberries. And my fucking grandma, uh, Borley, had a rhubarb plant that she made rhubarb pies with. And it's wow. Like, yeah. You can grow I, rhubarb. I thought rhubarb was like manufactured rhubarb. or mined or something. No, I don't, man, know. I don't even know what rhubarb is. It, uh, it's like bad it's celery. Like, I don't know. It is. Yeah, rhubarb is a lot like weird alien celery. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gooseberry. She had gooseberry vine, but gooseberry pies. Gooseberry. I spoiled. I'm. I'm. I'm finding out. I'm. So I spoiled. I, I had uh, pies on tap growing up. You probably had a reasonable American experience. I was the weird one pretty sure Mm. anyway let's go to obi he takes his retrofit device over to the temporal loom room and tries to install it but he gets an error message on the computer about an invalid temporal aura dun 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 he seems to be panicking about this yeah and obi doesn't panic about much as we've seen so uh and then Loki and Mobius interrogate X5 again. This time they wheel in a torture device. Loki tricks Mobius into leaving so he can torture X5 on his own using his nefarious villain powers. And he eventually gets X5 to admit that he found Sylvie and she has a new life on another branch. And then, of course, not to my surprise, it's revealed that Mobius and Loki tricked him. It was the whole thing was a ruse. Yeah, I thought it was act. I, like I said, I I was biggest biggest dumbass as me not catching on that a cell locked from the inside. I thought that they had done a good job of showing that like maybe Loki is going to you know because I knew the preseason is all about him coming to grips with what it means to be a hero, and I'm like, oh, they're going to experiment with him, and like Owen Wilson's going to you know come in and be like, I can't believe you did this, and and, and Loki's going, oh, I was going to really going to hurt him, but it's but no, nah, it turns out they they worked the whole thing out. Um, that's the thing. I'm always looking for the trickster in this trickster god, right? And and the, the trick seemed too too on the face of it for it to just be the, the yeah, single I, trick. It, I was looking for the deeper layers. But I really bought like Owen Wilson pounding on like this is the kind of mischief to. we talked about. Like I was, yeah, I yeah, I I, I was led down the garden path, man. <laughs> yeah, you would. And this machine, up. like, also it's like the the way the B five uh, or you know X five was like at first not worried because like you guys don't even know how to use this machine and boom, we all look I got it started and like oh you don't have the controller oh you mean this controller yeah and that like, was still he good I enjoyed that and it's like but you don't even know how to use this and like Loki being like look you said it yourself I'm not trying to be the hero I'm the villain like I don't need mm-hmm. this to work right to get you to talk and from uh-huh. that like and just like yeah also. It's a pretty interesting torture technique to be put in this like I don't know hard light box that gets smaller and smaller and there's a little crackle of bone and it felt a little kind of desperate. Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I was it, gripped up a bit. Whether, whether you whether you buy it or not, I think it's still a well constructed scene. I, I think like demonstrating the abilities of this box of light to crush the stool that Brad was sitting on a moment ago is mm-hmm. a great precursor to trapping him in the box. Yeah. Uh, the whole ruse of like, well, I don't quite know how to do this, but I'm going to hit buttons until something happens. And oh, you know, Loki's capable of cruelty. And yes. this particular Loki, the something I always try to keep in mind is like, this is not the Loki that went through Loki, uh, you know, Thor two and three and the Avengers in game and mm-hmm, got killed by Thanos. Mm-hmm. This is the guy, this guy boned out at the end of the first Avengers movie. Yeah. So all that character development that he did with his family, now he knows because they showed him the tape of him, you know, leading to the death of his mother accidentally and all that stuff. But he's not the same guy. So like the idea that he could color outside the lines and do some things that make us all squirm is kind of like baked in for me. But yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you. So as I, but I was thinking from your experience, this must have been extra like long and tedious because you saw it coming the whole way. Well, it's it's such a good scene that it wasn't it didn't feel tedious. And Tom but I, I did knew it well. the resolution. Like they they yeah, really hit all the points. Like you know, mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't feel like it's because some shows like a lot of times will let the audience in on the joke. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I, if a Star Trek: Strange New Worlds did this with Pike and I don't know Una or something, 
it would probably be with a little bit of like the joke is like you know the bad guy's not in any trouble because you know pike could never do that and also they've kind of talked about working this up and he's being a little hammy and being Mm -hmm. a bad guy but they were playing it straight i thought and did a good job of it and there's a couple of things that make it feel dangerous like you said loki can be the bad guy absolutely Especially and Tom this is version being of him. extremely menacing. Like he's being very powerful uh-huh. and like you're, you know, you're an insect and and the fact that he doesn't, he actually really doesn't know how to use this machine. I, I feel yeah. like he's figuring it out on the fly. So there's I the think possibility what that he Owen just fucks up and yeah, crushes like, this and the, dude. The fact that they worked it all out is yeah, but but yeah, that's the other menace. And like, it's also interesting, like in the the key lime pie scene where. Loki essentially dismisses the Avengers movie as him just being a little cranky. I, you know, <laughs> I act. I was mad at my dad and my brother, and I was just kind of acting out. Like, dude, you tried to enslave. Like, you didn't just take New York hostage. You tried to enslave all of Earth. You started off that shit in Germany. Yeah, Cap wasn't having it. From you a know, God's like, perspective, that's yeah. just throwing a tantrum. Yeah, but I, I get, but it's it's funny to hear like you know uh-huh. you you kill a lot of people on it actually. Yeah, <laughs> I was just me being. I just I was cranky. I was a little cranky <laughs> that day. Uh, but no, it, it's a scene that works regardless of whether you know the twist or not. Uh, and then we get B fifteen introducing Casey to Obi. Uh, he's a huge fan. He's he's the guy who wrote the the book on the devices. Uh, Obi says the containment doors are locked and only he who remains can open the lock. Although Miss Minutes could override that lock, but yeah. Uh, so they're stuck in there with the loom overloading outside until they can get the doors open. And the question of like, how are you going to get an artificial being to give enough of a shit to switch sides and help you? Like, I, right. I honestly, I, I'm I'm really curious about how they're going to how they're going to do that because Miss Minutes was a bit of a pistol last season. Yeah, and they don't come back to that uh, this episode. So that's kind of where we leave that yeah. plot line. We have uh-huh. to either figure out a way to override the doors ourselves, or we have to convince, we have to get a hold of and convince Miss Minutes to do it. Or, uh, or get a we King have to variant. get, yeah, he who remains to help us out, which none but of those options might... seem likely, right? The other thing is like when they say temporal aura, I kind of think that not just any King Kang could do it. Because, like, it's not like a DNA match. It's a temporal aura, which kind of, to me, is a is a time-space continuum mm-hmm. part of the fingerprint, you know? So it's like it might actually be the only... He's the, the he who remained was the only one that could do it. So, I don't know. That, that's is speculation. It, that's not, like, me saying 100%, but... Would it, would it maybe be tied to the device that Kang was wearing that now Sylvie has... Ooh. could she come back and save them with that device because I think from he who remains perspective he essentially thought that if the Lokis had killed them that they would they would take a spot they would just like yeah. they would run the TVA I think that's what he expected them to do he didn't expect like Sylvie to just like kill the source of control and just you know give the universe freedom um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 that idea's got some gas, I think. But there's questions about that, like how much freedom has she given it? Like she stepped aside, but she still has. Well, and also this like device. I and which like X Five said, the... everything you guys do just makes it worse. Like, yeah. inarguably, where we're at the end of this episode, Sylvia's made things a lot worse. Like it mm-hmm. seems like ninety percent of all possible timelines have been pruned. Yeah billions but and also, billions of billions of people have died but also that was just what the tva was doing like they were keeping yeah, one timeline so they mm-hmm. were pruning so it's like that's the but other thing know. it's like right it's, it's yeah. the difference between knowing that you're doing evil and thinking you're doing good and yeah and the same thing can happen with loki right like i that's why this stuff is interesting because i think all these themes can kind of mesh in a, in a cool way yeah i mean like uh, yeah is that is an interesting conundrum like you know did we even talk about this last week like you know there was when it comes to the hominids there had to be the first monkey that killed his brother and realized it was a bad thing right uh yeah and i think like as society especially in the last you know post-world war ii the whole idea of like oh you just can't smash and grab whatever you want because you can that's a bad mm-hmm. thing oh shit 
And we have like living, you know, we've got like kind of living memory of good goes back further than that. We knew where the borders used to be. And it was like, oh, God, what do we I kind of like collectively were going through that. Like, well, how do we how do we go forward and how do we unwind things? Can we unwind things? It's 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 interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said, they're just not quite selling it. They, they haven't quite sold the horror of, oh, my God, we've been doing this, too. And also it's hard to can I. Can, can can science fiction series start getting real with their numbers? Like billions? <laughs> I mean, every timeline no that's pruned is billions. We're, we're talking quadrillions of people. If we're yeah, talking I guess entire in the Marvel timelines, universe, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about not just people on Earth. You're talking yeah, about just everyone in the whole fucking universe yeah. of that timeline getting blinked out. And it, it drives me crazy on Foundation too. They they like they say billions. Like, no, that's an Earth number. When mm-hmm. you go out of Earth, you got to start with that number with a T at the bare fucking minimum. Probably something like Q and G, like exotic numbers that you don't even heard of. Is what we're talking about living conscious beings in a whole universe. But they don't do it. It always bugs me. Yeah, same here. It's very it's very uh, soul centric way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anthrocentric. I don't know. Uh, so let's go to Broxton, Oklahoma, nineteen eighty-two. It's a branch timeline. Loki and Mobius take X five to McDonald's to go get Sylvie. Uh, she's been living her best life here. And if you missed last episode's post-credit sequence, you might not know that. Uh, but she's just yeah, she's just working at McDonald's. She takes a break to talk with Loki, and Loki says the TVA is in danger and. She was there and wants to know what's going on. She doesn't want anything to do with it. She just wants to stay here. But he reminds her that without the TVA, all this stuff you love so much is gone too. In 1982, the shake machines of McDonald's were not broken. Right? Yeah. That's what I... That's Because they were only like 30 years old and... You you, you (laughs) could bop up to McDonald's and get a a milkshake and Mm -hmm. the machine wasn't broken. Well, I think the workers uh, gave a shit. The machine is never broken. The machine always works. Yeah, no, no. So I, the, that's the employees yeah. don't want to fucking deal with it, right? They don't want to clean uh, yeah, it fuck, out. I they don't, don't want to yeah, like, clean out this fucking milkshake machine for you. Right? Uh, yeah, no, they do. That That's like all, everything you said. Uh, and it's like it goes back to like she, you know, Loki's trying to convince her of something that she was completely unconvinced last season, which is... Mm-hmm he who remains might have been telling the truth like he this might have been the best solution to a bad situation and she is still completely intractable in her opinion of like no and also like everything seems to be cool you know look yeah like, but without, chilling out here in my timeline without not it, even, everything's gone even this <laughs> like thing even loki like. even loki realized like it's like this is a weird timeline for her to be hiding out in because it's like you know, she was always hiding out at apocalyptic locations because that's mm-hmm. how she hid from the time police you know Yep. She's not bothering to do that anymore. Um, but, you know, she doesn't know what's what's what uh, uh, Doc's and the other people are doing, too. Mm-hmm. And also, he's trying to, it's a hard sell, him being like, I'm working for the TVA, the thing we were trying to overthrow last. And it's like, we might be the last defense. And then it's super bad at the end of the episode when it turns out it's the TVA that did all this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're trying to about who who remains, but you guys all the, the the last line of defense is the one that shit the bed and killed all the timelines. So she's probably going to be even worse to try to get on uh, the board next next episode. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because there's there's a thing he says, a line he drops that I really think hits home, and it, it, it a couple of lines actually, and one of them is here where he's making the point: all this goes away, like everything you love, the thing that you're just like off. You know, blissing out over that's gone too. If you don't stand up and fight right now, uh, and then there'll be something later that he says that adds to it. It's just weird that, like, you know, her version of Thanos going off to the farm planet and you know, growing zucchini is working at a McDonald's in the middle of nowhere in 1982. I mean, like, it's relatively why is this her bliss? Uh, I wonder if that's the thing. She has like enormous responsibility potentially thrust upon her. But she's a god. She stuff. could just she could just sit on a beach and surf. Not she doesn't have to eat. I don't think. 
Yeah, probably. Like she not. doesn't have to. She can. She can conjure clothes. She changes her clothes with like a wave of her hand. Like she doesn't need food, shelter. She could just. What What do they watch say? Movies yeah, so, all day. So what like, are they saying why, about the why McDonald's clock in the McDonald's? Yeah. Are they saying that the McDonald's employee is the the height of mundanity? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just a weird choice. Even more than if like you can do anything you want. If you can do anything mm-hmm. you want in a, like a cosmic sense, this is what you do. I I, I wonder if they're gonna like have any. She wants to serve like, billions. <laughs> that's what she's. That's what she's saying, right? I want to serve billions. Such a small mind. You should want to serve trillions of God. <laughs> Quadrillions. Why not? Quadrillions. A Googleplex. Yeah, well, that's what soul. she's working on. She's gonna. I mean, she's gonna live forever. So eventually, she can get mm. to quadrillions. She, she can get all those commas. She can do the things yeah. that Ray Kraft couldn't even dream of. <laughs> Is he the guy who played? He was played by Michael Keaton, who went around. Although, if I ass pulled that name uh, with zero uh-huh. seconds and I got it right, I'll be surprised. <laughs> Let me know, Marvel at baldmove.com if it's Ray McCraft or. Raymond McFry or something. I don't know, but I thought it was Raycraft. Yeah. His last name was McNugget. You're listening to Loki with Bald Move. We'll be right back. Woo! Prune the last commercial from the timeline. We're back with more Loki. Uh, so Mobius and X5 are also inside chatting while they wait for Loki, uh, the Lokis to work things out. Brad tells him about his movie, but uh, he seems really anxious to get back to the TVA for some reason, which is strange for a guy who's being interrogated and held prisoner. But Mobius starts to think, uh, this might be a setup. So he takes yeah. Brad outside to Loki and demands to know what's going on. And he says, they're all going to die if they stay here. Sylvie mind melds with him, realizes that Docs is about to bomb every branch of the timeline. And this is all happening at the same time that B-15 is realizing that too. I love Owens, Wilson's line reading, uh, asking about uh, Zaniac. He's like, tell me about Zaniac. It looks scary. It's so funny. (laughs) He's amazing. He's got him and Jeff Goldblum have maybe the most unique acting styles out there there's no accident that they both are Wes Anderson players because yep. Yep. like that 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 is a paintbrush suited for his palette baby both of those oh both yeah of those paintbrushes very suited and uh, I love them they're great yeah but like the idea like the x5 is a slowly getting like antsy about being in this timeline is like this kind of like dread of like what does he know that we don't mm-hmm. um well they're blowing up all the timelines that's that's what yeah every second he spins here is a second closer to some time when that's going to happen and I feel like this other kind of slightly weak point of the episode is that um, I'm not clear exactly how they went from having no idea where Docs was to like being able to like like it's like uh, Sylvie just was able to intuit that with her witchcraft and find the location and program the tin pad and like it's just like one it's like yeah, it's like suddenly we're just now here in Dox's headquarters and we're going to use our Loki powers to, fo- to, to fuck shit up. I, I thought it was Is a it little... Casey? Did, did Casey pinpoint it maybe? I, I'm i with you. It's fuzzy because I don't remember. Well, he had the he had a... He had a, uh, he had a hit on a, a line on Rinslayers, which yeah. I don't think Dox was using. She I was don't just... think she's involved with Rinslayer at all, no. Um, And it, like, are we at the point where we're talking about the Dox, the, the Dox location? Uh, we can. I stopped right before that, but do you want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, because like I was like, there was like, there's not a, there was not a lot to explain. Like it suddenly, it's like, hey, why yeah. are you so antsy? Oh, and then she just grabs him and uses witchcraft, and she sees a scene that we saw, and now she just knows everything. And they're moving on with their tin pads and all that stuff. I thought yeah, that was. I guess yeah, he knew. Much... He knew Dox's location and plan and all that. So maybe that's. Yeah, why that's didn't, just how can, they can, So can Loki not do that? Does he not have that ability? That that's only a Sylvie thing. Oh, I can't remember. Because now he can see into the future, which she was skeptical of, but uh-huh. he can't. He's just was able. He was like he, he was torn between time. It wasn't something he had control over. So yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing about yeah them like having low low trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're at the oh, yeah. I mean, place. the last time they spoke, they were fighting each other 
literally they fighting both... each other, but not with this much enmity. I, I felt like, yeah, when she kicked him through the door, there wasn't like this this heat and resentment. It's kind of like she he was trying to talk her out of doing something. And she just unilaterally. If anything, he should be pissed at her. Well, it was dis- I, I, it was distrust, right? Like the. the... <laughs> She thought that this, you know, good guy act was all an act and kicked him through the time door because she thought he wanted the thing that she. He wanted the power for himself, right? Then Mm -hmm. the thing that she was trying to destroy. So, like, yeah. I can see it still being heated. This is the first time they've met since. Like her, like. It hasn't been long, right? It's it's also not been much time at all. Yeah, it's been like not even a full day. Probably, yeah. But um, and the fact that he's showing up is like the implication, like I'm going to drag you into something and I don't want to be drug into. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And showing up with the TV. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like it's a little bit too much. What the fuck are you here? And why, you know, and why would I want to talk to you? Yeah, we don't know what she knows, right? Because she's kind of out of time when she's with Kang, right? Yeah, she has no idea what what the what the fallout from Kang has been or maybe she does maybe she knows everything it's well, she knows she's for decided sure now. to come here uh I, I i don't know cuz like this is the first time we're seeing Sylvie since she killed Kang so like yeah did she spend an eternity in in the end of time just kind of living lives and came to the conclusion that I need to duck out of this. You're right. From her perspective, we don't know how much time has passed. We assume it's been like the same as Loki, but you know, it could be millennia. Time works differently in the TVA. Yeah. Um, she could have jumped at any arbitrary point and started living like, yeah, I, that's a good, that's a, but, but then also from her perspective, like when she finally reluctantly joins and like, well, okay, maybe there's some fucking shit and I'm going to go back to, and she finds out it's, it's all, it's the TVA did all this. Like they, there is a, a they, cluelessness that she, maybe they're solved. They, 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 they can solve the problem, but they're the ones causing all the problems, especially with docs, like destroying all the timelines. Like she did that. She did that. She just, yeah, she, she did that unilaterally and it was, if there was no TVA, everything would have been better. There wouldn't be a loom trying to constrain the one sacred timeline. There wouldn't be a whole bunch of soldiers with chrono bombs destroying it. Like, mm-hmm. what's one thing the TVA did that's good? And it's if she doesn't believe the Kang threat, then nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, let me run down this scene here. Uh, Lokius, Mobius, and Sylvie go to Dox's HQ, try and take it down while Dox murders billions of people quadrillions perhaps uh they destroy everyone and everything in the hq and capture docs back at the tva they assess the damage uh, they're dev- they're devastated because tons of people died sylvie's unimpressed with the tva goes back home and then casey locates renslayer's timpad yeah i don't know the two loki's held their hands and just one that was weird mm-hmm. um also, like, it's very loosey-goosey what Docs was doing and how. It's like, oh, they've modified the time pads and there's two to central port and they're doing it so... F-. And I'm like, what? Um, okay, but whatever. They're, they're, they're guys... Uh, it kind of reminded me, you know... And blowing up timelines, but... Yeah, it reminds me, like, the closing days of the last... Ri- or the third Reich, where they're just, like, full throttle on the genocide. Like, yep. like <laughs> they're going to get points for doing it before anyone stops them. You right. know, just just like just they overly cartoonishly evil thing, um, uh-huh. and I'd wish it. I wish it. So I wish it read like that because I don't think that they did a particular. Like it's not just. I mean, like I said, one Misaka is just looking in the camera with like a somewhat neutral like expression on her face. It's it's a bad expression, but it's not like. And maybe that's the point. Like, what do you? How do you feel there about no billions expression. of people? Like, there is like. <laughs> What does that feel like? Um, yeah. But unfortunately, as a viewer, that's what I was thinking. Like, what does this feel like? Is this real? Is that? Yeah. yeah it's it's kinda... an over the humanity kind of moment, and it's not played that big. Yeah. It, but, but it's yeah. hard to connect those dots. I like nobody really knows is. what it feels like to murder quadrillions of people or to watch them and, and feel like you're responsible in some way. Like, you just you can't know that. But it should, I feel like it should feel like more than deleting a row in a spreadsheet. And that's what it felt like to me. And like, if not, and, and the, yeah, it's, it's about what it feels like to me, 
is trying to like communicate the distance between stars to people there you go yeah where it's where intellectually you can hear the word you know light years but you don't know what that means intuitively you can't feel that word right it's like stalin famously said one death is a tragedy <laughs> yeah a million is a statistic and a, a billion is just a vibe man what do you even say about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely so i don't know it's an inherently hard thing to do i think they pulled it off as best they could i i didn't feel it in my gut but yeah, but you know, if you're knows. a gymnast at the Olympics and you got this high degree of difficulty maneuver to get you a lot of points, if you stuck up, but you can't stick the landing, I'd say take it out the routine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I don't know. We're we're and, and you know, this isn't like if this is the season finale, it'd be a big problem. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, they've they've sterilized the timeline uh, like they've done so many times before. Now maybe they can build up stakes for for uh, uh, end of end of season thing, but. It's tough. Anyway, that's it the, works that's as a problem with multiverses, point. man. Because that's it. Like even Rick and Morty, which like lives, eats, and breathes multiverses. The inescapable conclusion is nothing matters when you're on when you're floating on top <laughs> and you're traversing the multiverse. That shit just doesn't matter. Yeah, a million of your families just got extinguished. Well, I still have one that I that I have back at the Earth that I live at. So and like, I still have an infinite number more if those go away. So right, right, yeah. What does so any of it matter? It, it, yeah it's that's that's a that's a tough one that's a tough one yeah uh loki tries to impress upon sylvie the importance of this before she goes back home uh and this is the other line i was talking about where he says he kind of there's almost a throwaway he just says it as she's leaving but i feel like it really hits home he says it's harder to stay and and his the implication there being harder harder to stay and fight harder to be a hero than a villain and he knows this very personally. He's he's experiencing that struggle right now, uh, and he wants her to experience it as well. But she's unwilling. She's still in that running from from reality phase, I guess. And like you know, I thought the Hearst point is you know the TVA is the problem. You're saying like you know what a defender of the timeline. No, it's the problem. It's rotten to the core, and I'm not going to have it. So every mm-hmm. she. You know, she came but, but through and followed, but reluctantly. And now she's like every prejudice she had and preconception has been vindicated. Yeah. But but she's running away. That's her solution is to just run away from it. Whereas Loki is like, okay, maybe the, the TV isn't perfect. But the TVA isn't perfect, but we have to get something in place here. I think she would say destroy the TVA, destroy the loom and go home. But what if that results in destroying her home? But I don't. I, I don't think she buys it. Like I like yeah. yeah. Like it, she didn't because she didn't come to the TVA and like Kangs are storming the border. She came to uh, the TVA and a bunch of bureaucrats were doing yeah. the timeline destruction. That's what I'm saying for it's sure. Like, and over the course of this episode, that's the thing that Loki's trying to reinforce with her is if you don't help us, if we don't solve this problem, your home is going away too. But you're right; she just doesn't see it yet. Yeah. Because there's nothing to see. Like she got there to see, and the, if anything is the like, yeah, like I said, the the thing that she saw was the was the worst case scenario from Loki's perspective. Because you know now she's calcified against the T, you know joining the TVA to do something. And like, I, it remains to be seen the TVA is the way to go. Because I am, sure. yeah, I go back to being a little skeptical that he who remains is telling the whole truth. And that, well, it's, like, it's extra puzzling in light of the final scene here. Um, I, I really want to know what's going through her head because it seems like a moment where all of the stuff Loki said is sinking in, but at the same time, what has changed in her mind about the TVA that would make it a viable strategy going forward? Um, so this final scene is she's back in Broxton and she's uh, out in the parking lot. I think she just lives in her truck in the McDonald's parking lot, uh, but she's chilling on the hood of her truck. Uh, she says goodnight to one of the employees and then she... That's the that's out. the manager, right? Oh yeah, that's funny. The seventeen he gives, year old manager. He's giving her yeah, things to do throughout the episode. Like, hey, did you stock uh-huh. the stock? And like, yeah, and the, he's got like a bit of a crush on her. Maybe, maybe. I think is the idea, and she's kind of like, I mean, who sh- gently shutting it down? Like, hey, is your mom here to pick you up yet? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. I didn't pick up on that, but it makes sense. But she, at the end of this scene, as soon as he leaves, she's handling and thinking about this bracelet 
device mm-hmm. that she got from he who remains in the season finale when she killed him and and this to me says like when she's pondering this what i think is going through her head is all the stuff loki said about you know the tva being the solution the danger if we don't do it and the difficulty of staying and fighting for something that is good or could be good as opposed to just ignoring it all and running away but I don't know how that jives with what I think you're right about, which is she has only seen the TVA do rotten things. That can't be the solution. Still, in her mind, yeah. she's got to be thinking that. So what is what is going through her head at the end of this episode? Maybe she's uh, thinking know, the of other, other ways? To, I will to throw another... You know, I think hinted at this a couple times is like we also don't know what happened after she killed he who remains like how much yeah. time did she spend at the, the the palace at the end of time or whatever they called it, you know, like did she was there a library there? Did she do some reading? Did she collect any artifacts? Did she poke around? Did she just like peace out? Like, mm-hmm. I, I do wonder what she knows that we don't know that she knows because, yeah, I don't I don't know. Clearly, she is. Because it's one of those things where it's like, if you bet wrong, it's not like you'll have like you're you'll just cease to exist at some point. You won't even know it. You know, sure. that's got to be disquieting yeah. to like, you know, you got someone that you kind of built a relationship and you don't think he's just completely crazy coming with saying that, like, oh, my God, this thing's actually happening, blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, maybe you went back and all your preconceptions are flattered. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's super interesting. I'm excited to see what happens with this next episode. I will. I will say I love the color palette in this scene. The, the like, earlier I said let's talk about some of the the cool visual stuff they do, but like they've always had this brown and orange kind of motif, the '70s colors in mm-hmm. the TVA. But now that we get into a different world outside of the TVA where you still have, it's like the, the tail end of the seventies kind of leaked into the eighties. Right. And you still have sure. all those color palettes, but then you add the greens and it's just, this scene is beautiful. I, mm. I don't know why I love this scene so much, but that truck with the lights on the top of it and the McDonald's sign in the background and the fence and the trees, it's a gorgeous scene. Yeah. This show is effortlessly iconic. You yeah, know, just uh, everything just looks so well put together from the yeah, like even the, the cinematographers yeah, like said, in this, the color of the truck, the maher, and it, 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 you know, reminds me of like, like old 80s movies like uh, um, uh, the, the Last Starfighter, you know, <laughs> okay, uh, that's that's like this scene is like, you know, like a, 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 a person sitting on a truck and in the middle of a nowhere type of environment, like an mm-hmm. alien ship might come by and recruit them. It's got that kind of feel. Close encounters kind of yeah. thing. Playing an arcade machine that's inexplicably outside of a trailer. <laughs> trailer park? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, outside? I don't know. It was weird. Do we have anything else we want to talk about or should we consider feedback? Uh, let's consider feedback. Marvel at baldmove.com is how you get in touch with us. We got a spotlight email this week. Uh, Chris from Wales says there's two scenes with uh, uh, Kaywee Kwan through the wind, looking through the window to Morbius walking on a platform. In the first shot, there's a large and obvious crack in the window, and the next time he's looking through it, there is no crack. I'm sure we're going to get lots of timey-wimey stuff like this, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what this might be hinting at. Now, Ooh. unfortunately, Chris, I went back to watch that scene, and I couldn't substantiate it it looked like there was always the crack there there's a reverse angle where he's looking through where the crack was much lower in the 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 pov than you might be expecting but like i couldn't i I couldn't substantiate this but i did do a lot of research to see if this was something that people were talking about and in doing that i did find an interesting theory that renslayer is a potential kang variant and this and the way and you're supposed to understand that their partnership is similar to Loki Sylvie. Hmm. I think it's okay. interesting, you know, in the in the terms of like a skin coloration that that the uh, that that matches. Although sure. you know, you sure. could have a black Loki, you could have a white. Yeah. He you could have a frog Loki. We've seen. Yeah. Sure. 
crocodile loki's all kinds of things um but i think it's that's that's then there's there's nothing going for this theory other than the obvious similarities the parallels yeah. between kang and rensselaer running around and loki and sylvie uh but i do i do like that idea a lot and it's also mm-hmm. like the wh- why does he feel a special kinship and partnership with it is it in, like just like loki and sylvie had this kind of a connection they talk about it um in terms of like oh you know uh, mobius is talking about their relationship being complicated and you know it's weird and it's like there's a lot of that that they feel like that they might be bringing in um and, and yeah, I, I like I like that idea. Um, I do too. It's thematically, yeah, it's neat. It's very tidy. Yeah, but like, I also well, I really love the idea of like there being a frog Loki out there, but then like the only difference between the Kangs is one wears an Egyptian headdress and one like has glasses. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, they're all over the place with Loki, but like every, uh-huh. everything is Jonathan Majors except for, yeah. Right, know, this right. One's got buck teeth. This one's wearing glasses. <laughs> and the, the one, though, in the thread that they're discussing this possibility, one, the biggest objection is, well, why the fuck would a Kang variant hang out to be a school teacher or a principal, right? But mm. I think if you, I look at trailers, you're going to see like a Kang from like the, you know, the, the Chicago's World Fair. It's like, well, why is one and invent you know like kang wasn't always kang you know exactly in every timeline maybe he doesn't end up being the scientist that discovers the blah 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 so it's like i think there's in a multiverse there's lots of rooms to get lots of room to get weird with it but i like the idea that's it's like one of my favorites that i've seen so far yeah uh but yeah if you want to if you want to send us in some potentially wrong and i'm not saying you are wrong chris i'm just saying that you didn't give me a timestamp, and I, I i i i couldn't find it looking for it and i didn't see any discussion of it uh but if you want to send us uh up some wild goose chases that nevertheless leads to some interesting theories you got some observations about loki uh or sylvie or anything uh mobius ouroboros ob whatever uh send that into marvel at baldmove.com i'd love to hear from you you want to find out what we're doing besides Loki? Check us out on all our social medias at Bald Move, except for TikTok. We're at Baldest Move there. Some some hair follically challenged young man beat us to Bald Move, if you believe it or not. On, on TikTok, mm. we we sn- we snossed, we lost. Uh, then also, <laughs> if you want to support us and you get ad free feeds and tons of bonus content, man, we have been on a tear with Off the Clock. We just talked about No One Will Save You. Uh, what was the other thing we talked about this week? Uh, the Wes Anderson short film. Yes. Speaking, Speaking of, of Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson and Owen Wilson, he made a delightful series of short films on Netflix. We talked about this on Off the Clock. You can get that and more ad-free feeds, tons of things by joining the club. Support.baldmove.com if you are so inclined. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for season three of Loki. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.